and welcome to episode 359 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and a returning Jack Harper. Plenty to get into this week. We kick things off with how things kicked off at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday night. Liverpool ended the game with nine men, a wrongly disallowed goal, and as witnesses to a lap of honour from Yves Bissouma after a last-second own goal by Joel Matip steered the game in Ange Postacoglu's favour. Waka Waka was on repeat by the seaside as Kaya Havertz scored, again as the chance says, against Bournemouth in a 4-0 win for Arsenal. After the most celebrated third-round win in the history of the Carabao Cup, Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag found themselves under pressure once again as they fell to the same opposition they'd beaten in midweek. Pep Guardiola was proven right in his pre-game interview after singing the praises of the Wolverhampton Wanderers attack and both Pedro Neto and that Korean guy. Gary O'Neill ensured that Man City would not be ending the season undefeated and we were asked to turn a blind eye again at lunchtime on Saturday as Brighton held six goals against Aston Villa. Ollie Watkins did his best to earn at least another link to Arsenal in the newspapers and the pundits quickly told us that results like this will happen when your players deserve he does. Chelsea are playing tonight and so are still only as good as their last result and the three that have come before it and so we'll close the show by hearing Jack's take on just what on earth is going on there. First things first, though, how are we doing today? I think we've probably all been better. Mm. I mean, I... It's, it's good week, good weekend for me. Good one for you, yeah. My mood when Chelsea haven't played at the weekend are <laughs> drastically better, <laughs> surprisingly. For those curious, last week, turns out I did have COVID when uh, I felt like I was dying on the podcast. I have a couple of people say to me, was struggling to get through it because you sounded horrible. Not you, myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, that pointed at me. That- <laughs> well, yeah, if it was you, then... Wow, if you didn't like me last week, you're going to fucking hate me this week. <laughs> we will kick things off with the VAR carnage. Spurs 2, Liverpool 1. TK, you were hyped for this game. Most neutrals, and I'm not sure I can consider myself that, were hyped for this game. Mm. It felt like a big one, and... You, you really did have no idea what was coming. No, I really didn't, did I? And it, look, it started out like we kind of thought the game would probably go. Like two teams that have been playing a certain brand of football going at each other. Neither really looked like they were going to, uh, you know, pull the handbrake up or get nervous at all. And uh, as dramatic as it ended up being, it kind of is a shame that all that happened because you probably were going to have a really good game. Which You ended up having an interesting game. But I don't know if you get a good game. Follow that one under great for a neutral. You know? <laughs> well, to to almost reduce this one to a matter of match of the day highlights, because previously when we do this, and I said to Jack before we've come on, we've kind of found ourselves in a structure where we've got like a main event game that we spend the bulk of the first three quarters speaking about, and then everything else kind of comes in. And the card. This. It's almost boiled down to highlights because there's so much controversy within the highlights. And we'll start with the Curtis Jones red card. We sang his praises last week. I'm not saying now that we were wrong to do so, but he tried to win the ball. He goes in for a 50-50 with Basuma, walking fine, as I say, on that lap of honour by the end, by the way. (laughs) His foot touches the ball. It then goes over the top and putting it nicely, it catches the Tottenham midfielder on his shin. It's been nice. Nice, easy question to start. Do you think this was a red card? No, but maybe I wouldn't. (laughs) Um, I think I've been pretty consistent on the follow-through thing is that I tend to think, unless you are really out of control and reckless, I tend to think 
those things are going to happen. You're going to get a lot of red cards the amount of time someone wins a ball and then if you focus on the challenge afterwards. But if you don't have the things that come on later in this game, I don't think this is a decision that you look back on and go, this is disgusting. I think much like in a different contact, he stayed on the pitch. I said about Eddie last week, probably an orange. I would say this was an orange where I would give it a yellow and tell him, look, watch yourself. Other people would go, no, that's a red. So that's a... Yeah, um, I mean, Jones looked disgusted he was going to get yellow. So, <laughs> he looked absolutely apoplectic when he had the yellow card out. So God knows how I felt when the red came out. I'm largely similar to you, and I'm quite grateful that we had last week as we did, because it may sound like I'm saying this just because it was against Spurs otherwise. Well, I said last week I didn't like the Gusto red card, and that mm-hmm. one I think was more of a red card with the way the place's foot still ends up. Yeah, I think the issue here was as much about the process as anything else. Like Something that will be a theme of this episode, I guess. By the time Simon Hooper approaches the VAR monitor, he's being shown footage that starts with a still image of Jones's yeah. studs on Basuma's shin. It then reverses back and we get this like gif of basically the yeah. point of impact and then a second backwards and they loop it a couple of times. Yeah, The referee never sees the image in true speed and we already know from the VAR segments that we got on Monday Night Football and I said at the time what a load of shite they were so <laughs> just patting themselves on the back the referee is basically told what he's going to see before he sees it is this something that needs to be addressed when I read on ESPN today and they do their big breakdown they were the first to reveal kind of what happened here they say that they only need to show that because they've told the referee what he's going to see and so why show him anything more than the point of contact? That feels very a backwards way of doing things to me. Yeah, you're kind of starting with the answer and then worrying about the working out afterwards, aren't you? Exactly like you just said. <clears throat> I think if you rewind a little bit, I think the reason why it looks so bad is because it was on Batsuma's planted leg. Because of that bend, whenever you see... That bend when the contact happens. That's when, squeamish. That's when you're like, ooh, hang on. You've said it, per- but, the but- VAR protocol says that whenever the opponent's leg bends at all, it's then classed as excessive force in the review. Yeah, so you can yeah, see- That was actually written down in an actual thing. So when you then fast forward again back to the moment of when he sees it for the first time, he sees that bent leg. He sees Joan way over the top of the ball of what he thinks. He's not going to see that role. I think in the process as well, like you said, where- there, you, you're going to go and see a still image straight away. They need to show the ref a replay of the whole action first because they're the ones that can gauge the heat on the ground almost, mm. the spirit of which it was made. If you show that footage to nine to, nine people, out of, nine to ten people yeah. regularly, nine they're times out of ten, they're all going to say red. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially if just prior to seeing that, you've had it fed in your ear. By the way, I think this is a red card. I think it's a bad one. Yeah, yeah. You're basically being conditioned to yeah. see what you're about to see, aren't you? And they need a VAR booth as well. You can't be going over to the Spurs stand, yeah, yeah. like four foot away from Spurs fans. Yeah. Or you can see them as well on the replays, them giggling, like nudging the shoulder, yeah. get their phones out, start yeah. recording. You can't have that because it's never going to be an like a unbiased decision. You, you'll you'll know better than me, but as far as I've seen before in um, rugby, and I'm not sure if they do this in cricket as well, I've heard them before request certain angles and request to be shown certain things once they've seen it in true speed, which makes a lot more sense. If you say, "Yeah, okay, I've seen that," and my question is, "Yeah, maybe what? How low on the ball is he when he first makes contact? How much is the roll up? Some, something minuscule like that. That seems a, a, a far 
greater way of doing things because at this point it's it's like they're trying to help their mate out but at that stage make the decision in the booth then and take it away from the guy who's stood with as you say yeah. 60,000 people around him because we've all been at stadiums where you do hear this and it definitely goes in your favour more ways than not if you are the home team in that situation yeah I think as well exactly from that point is the line always is in rugby is there any reason why I can't award this try as opposed to, mm. I think it's a try, tell me why it's not. Yeah. And then that decision is taken out of his hand and it's sub- subjective. In this instance, I think if it's a subjective decision, it's a red card. But that would probably be a different way of doing things. Because back in the day of Mike Dean and Clattenburg and <laughs> like these big name refs, the host of the gang of refs we've got now in the Premier League, I don't think any of them are the, that stature where they would feel like an ego hit from having that decision taken away from them. I think we're in a position now where you could probably implement that, but only now before they start getting reputations and names themselves. But it's just, yeah. The other thing you said there about, um, they're saying, well, we'll only show him that shot because, well, that that definitely flies in the face of their ever assertion that we don't want to re-ref again. We don't want to run it from here. That flies straight in the face of it because you're literally... You're telling him what decision to make. Mm-hmm. Saying, we're telling him in his ear to go and look at it. And then we're going to give you a still shot of this guy looking like he's chopping someone in half. It's, we've seen instances like this before. I just think this is, as with something else that happens there in this game, just one of the most blatant examples of it. Yeah. Where he's literally starting from the still image, like you said, and working backwards, which... Everybody would end up landing on a red card yeah. there. I Everybody. remember Abamyang getting one of these before. I think it was against Crystal Palace or something like that. And that was the first time I saw it where they judged it on the kind of rolling up, and I, I didn't like it then. We've spoken previously about some people will say something now, and they're not particularly right wing or whatever, but the usual suspects will come out and defend them. And we've said, if you really are trying to make your point, they aren't the people you want fighting your case. Mm-hmm. Gary Neville saying the whole rest of the game honestly I've done someone before <laughs> he's not trying to do someone yeah. <laughs> is that the guy you want fighting your yeah. in this case because he kept saying it look I know when you're trying to do someone I know when yeah. you're trying to do someone you, you can see from Jones as well that from the tackle his back leg he's almost on the top of his foot so he slipped mm. so it's no, there's no intent but then would you then argue that's out of control because he isn't in control because he slipped and mm. that's why he's done the movement he has done I think it was just I think it was awkward I think it was ill-advised and probably a bit naive from Jones to try and go in so early when he didn't need to um, we've spoken before about the way he's maybe perceived as well I don't know how if that comes into play in this particular instance he's listened to the pod last week and thought I'm going to put myself about he doesn't come across as one where people would say where people would say he's not that type there probably are players in your team Harvey Elliott is also not getting the benefit of the doubt in these cases whereas Sadio Mane would have got away with these because he often did (laughs) he was just seen as like I don't know if I don't know who's going through your team. There's a couple of people. I mean, somebody later on in the game, Jota 100% has a cynical foul. So when that second yellow is going out, I was like, yeah, you're going. <laughs> you're yeah. in trouble. Um, we move on and I can ask you the question now. I can ask you the question later. Are Liverpool the best team in the world at playing with a deficit? <sighs> because 
teams shouldn't be worried when you go down to 10. And I know if you're a Spurs fan or whatever, you're going to do this. If you're a United fan, obviously they're going to win this now and you see that it's not just us that do that. I don't know. There's something, it seems to have a focus that maybe the worst trait of a lot of your teams in the last however long has been getting ragged and doing these things. And this seems to just get everyone in place. We've got a job to do here. It does seem to almost like concentrate the minds of our players whereby they go, okay, now we have to defend. Now we actually have to form some sort of shape so we can't just be wide open. And so we do that, but then also still have the attack that we have. So someone like Salah and Diaz, who are always going to be a threat on the counter. With Spurs in particular, I thought they kind of, and maybe the Newcastle game was in their mind, but they sort, I thought they tensed up a little bit. And it became a little bit like that UFC fighter who keeps getting knockouts when he looks like he's just been hurt and then he sparks someone. It's kind of like people start getting a bit wary of us. And I I genuinely think we would have won the game with 10 men. Mm. I think at least we would have got a draw. I think at some point he would have put Darwin on. That would have caused a bit more carnage. I thought Salo was really sharp in this game. At some point he was going to catch them. They kept coming forward and I think we would have caught them ultimately. Um, Commentary seems shocked by... Salah being a useful guy to have on the break. <laughs> yeah, he's quite good, isn't he? That Salah fella. Um, I think it's times like that when he's got his back to the wall that you maybe appreciate how strong he is and how he does do a lot of the grubbier stuff that a player that puts up the numbers he does that is as flary as he can be maybe doesn't get credit for. Yeah, I think you'd think he was more of a more of a luxury than he is. I was always amazed when people like Neville or whatever would talk about Mane's work rate and would say that Salah doesn't do the same on the other side. I was like, I'm not entirely sure that's true. Sometimes they do it as a means of defending Trent. So they go, well, he doesn't get the same protection that Robertson gets. Mane might be a little bit better defensively, but I don't think there's a lot in it. Well, the same as Salah who puts himself about. Let's talk about the disallowed Diaz goal, which is really the talking point of the weekend and hmm. the season so far, maybe. Hmm. 34th minute of the game, Diaz is played through by Salah, who was in his playmaking bag on... Saturday. He's somewhat falling in love with that. It's yeah. an interesting thing. Diaz runs on, really nice finish, smashed it past Vicario. It's then flagged offside. Replays, and I'm usually very hesitant because I've been so terrible at them previously to say, <laughs> oh, well, he's obviously on. Like, you still have that doubt in your mind. But in just one glance, I think everyone's like, oh, he's on. And that was, and that was it. But the surprise of us, the broadcasters... We don't get the VAR lines. We're told the goal is disallowed. And mainly because I've had to put up such a wall to United fans. I had the one, didn't I, with the the Everton game. Eddie, the one where he was coming back in. And I said, I can't have said this for the past week and then say I don't trust the lines. So I just assumed, as we all do, this is the one they get right. And I know there's been some questionable ones previously I'm not quite sure as many as Neville where he's like there's been quite a few recently where I've been we know which one you're yeah yeah, so, yeah yeah please do elaborate now the goal doesn't stand about half time-ish I would say where people have done their thing Richard Keys, I think was one of them he's got the lines at himself or someone's done it for him <laughs> yeah that broadcaster Ledford and it becomes very clear the check was wrong and we had this with the goal on technology, didn't we, where that failed, where it was like, well, no, surely it didn't actually fail. Oh, no, that actually... Yeah, <laughs> you, actually someone's going to be having me on. No, no, that did happen. Line. So what happens is, 
VAR look at the position quickly of Diaz and they say it became very apparent that he was onside. It was checked with the use of the offside lines in the background is what they say, which is where it starts to go wrong. He thinks he's checking a goal rather than disallowed goal. If he was confirming an overturn, he would lock in the offside lines, send them to the broadcaster, they would put that on screen, jobs are good in. As he now thinks the on-field decision is goal, there is apparently no prerequisite to do so, which baffles me because we've seen the green line before, so I don't know how that works. Maybe it's because they thought it was so obvious. Because the review was cleared so quickly and with such confidence, and I know that was what got Liverpool fans at the time, was, oh, hang on, at least humorous. Mm. I don't know if you've been at work and you've put someone on hold and you think, leave you on there for... 30, 40 seconds because <laughs> just make it seem like I've been, I've asked if someone's available. <laughs> and check complete comes back. Game carries on. We're told the decision was so obvious, which is why the VAR lost focus on this uh, situation. Rather than clearing the goal, he mistakenly tells the referee that the offside call was correct. What happened next, they say... Two seconds after the VAR has said check complete, Spurs took the free kick, which then creates a cutoff point. Now, Dermot Gallagher has said today, from the people he's spoken to and all of this, at no point during the rest of the game did they tell the referee that a mistake had been made at all, which I kind of think is right once you've gone past the next couple of minutes. It's not on him, is it? Yeah. No, but I mean... Once you haven't pulled it back, you don't want him trying to even things yeah. out if that's the way Although, it's going on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think so. But it just seems so obvious that in the next 10 seconds or so, you override it and say, we're probably going to be getting sacked regardless. <laughs> we should maybe make it right on the way down. So Steve, Stephen Warnock, hard work to listen to at the best of times, saying... They should have got in touch with the referee. The referee should have called the game to a halt, gone over to the managers, told them and asked if they would consent to their team scoring own goal to even things out. And then they would all get great applause afterwards. It's very simple to just 10 seconds later go, <laughs> nothing's happened here. No, no one's had an attack. I've not stopped you on the break or whatever. Yeah. Let's just to, get this sorted. So that's all good and well when someone's scored a goal like Villa... Leads, where someone's one nil up at White Hart Lane to go one nil down, ask them to score again to put themselves one nil down. I don't think well, that's what I'm it. saying. So it yeah. should have just been the VAR go. We got that wrong. Sorry, yeah. no, I agree. it's actually a goal. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I'm just laughing at Warnock, yeah. just yeah. suggesting that someone would put themselves one nil down at home to Liverpool. <laughs> that's it's one just... of those where like Warnock obviously looked at the landscape and thought. I need a ridiculous take on this. <laughs> everyone's everyone's going to take it. I need something a bit more outlandish. I'll go with that one. Cancelling so, out a goal is one thing. But just, it's hilarious. Simon Hooper saying to Ange, the sad thing is I thought you were different. <laughs> I really thought you was you were a good guy. And you're not. You called me mate earlier. Yeah. I thought we were friends. <laughs> Spurs really should, be, should have been offering a rematch the second that this happened. This happened... With Monsieur Wenger. I knew you couldn't wait to get this in. In the FA Cup, Sheffield do a throwing back. I think it's Carnu, doesn't read the situation, puts it in the back of the net. 
game carries on and after the game there's such controversy that Wenger says well we'll play again then <laughs> fortunately Arsenal still win the game <laughs> I'm not sure anyone's agreeing to this and we're going to get into the other contentious decisions I think they only make that more complicated because I have to think if we're doing a replay then well how many players are you going to be playing with are you going to be there <laughs> you start with 10 yeah. 70 minute game <laughs> we'll come back to this so the Sun goal he scores very, I think it's like what two minutes after. Is it only two minutes? Is it Christ? It's close. It's, it's close if it's not. I've, I've put yeah, two I minutes. Cert- from- I certainly remember it all seemed to come on top of me at, at once. The depression, yeah. yeah. Liverpool looking more threatening than Spurs in that instance, but Madison threads one through to Richarlison, who leaves Gomez in his dust, cuts it across for Sun, finishes in the same position as he does against us. Six goals for Sun now this season. Scored 10 last season. Hold your hands up for this goal or are you singling anyone out in particular? It's nice for Madison, isn't it? Um, you're going to question Gomez, but I don't know. I think it's probably a nice pass. I was interested, actually. I thought Alisson's position was a bit odd. My, my next, bit weird my next about. note, and I was going to ask Jack, that I questioned Alisson in that situation. I don't know if he's supposed to come to his front post if he's supposed to be more central in case it gets cut across the goal. You're always taught to go near post. When when the ball's at an angle, it's, all, it's a game of angles, keeping. It's, you work in triangles from the ball to where your net is and you try and limit the surface area of the available goal to whoever, whoever's got the ball. Then you back your defenders and team to basically bail you out if it goes across you that was your issue it's, it's essentially that was his first mistake yeah <laughs> that, that's essentially what you're taught and that's what you're coached so you can see why he's come across there mm. obviously we'll come on to the Spurs goal which is even funnier from a positional point of view but I don't I'm not going to berate Alison. yeah I wondered if I was being super critical especially, we both especially thought, as it's Alisson I thought we both thought the same thing though is I thought the I thought the principle of what Jack's saying I thought was being applied. I thought maybe he was more extreme. His position was maybe a little bit more extreme yeah. than it maybe needed to be. But yeah, that's-, that, that's always like, you can always take an extra step. It's, mm. When you're looking at the ball and focused on it, you that's why you look at the goal so much. Like You look at Xavi and Iniesta back in the day of getting the ball, receiving it, looking like eight times before receiving the ball. You do that as a keeper. You look back at the net. You have your reference points within the area. Um but in the heat of the moment, sometimes that heat, that extra inch to the right yeah, yeah. can make all the difference. Mm. Bro just died for Chelsea. Wow. Nice. No Jackson anywhere to be seen. He's suspended for a start. That's probably oh, why. Well, there you go. <laughs> TK, I think when <laughs> Robertson is as solid as he is naturally anyway, every side you face does seem to spray down against your right back every time. Matip on this occasion and Gomez just feel very open for attacking. It's not like Trent's out and you've got this guy that doesn't attack, doesn't bomb forward, but you stick him in there and he's going to win everything. Solid. No, no. I thought this would have been a good game for Trent, to be honest. I thought he was quite a lot of joy up that right, right-hand right side going forward. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately. I mean, but he- then uh, defensively, I think it's... It's a bit of a pick, picking between Gomez and Trent. I don't oh. think there's a huge amount of ups. I think Gomez can do a little bit more. But it's- I've got some questions for you about when Trent comes on because I don't know if I'm doing the Allison thing that we've just done here or if he was as bad as I think he was. <laughs> Gakpo equalises. Jack's just mentioned it. Content now this is Klopp's first choice front three? 
right as it looks like he's now out for an extended period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as he got injured scoring. Um, what, every big game this season, that's the front three's picks. I said I thought that's probably what he would do, but um, I still think ultimately you've got to get Darwin in there. Just the way he's played. But So if you said, to, if you could pick Klopp's three. brain, that's yeah, his favourite That's his, his, that's his choice for sure. Nice finish on the spin. Because it had been a good save from Robertson early on. Got a big miss from Diaz to end the half. Hmm. It's a nice finish from Gakpo after it looked like he'd messed it up. Yeah, and he cocked up one just before that as well. Hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think it's a good finish. I don't think it's a good goal. I think the keeper should be really looking at himself here. He's so... Goes through him, doesn't it? Well, it's not even the fact it goes through him. If he was in the right position, it would have hit him, just like it, the Robertson well, so that's So it, in so that position, is he not supposed to just hit it as hard as he can back... But goal. It, yeah, but if you if he was in the right position, it's the keeper's fault essentially. If he was in the right position, it hits the keeper's midriff and doesn't go in. I thought you were saying it wasn't a nice. Are you saying the keeper should do yeah, better? It, if you're okay. saying he's just twatted it and it's gone in, that's probably not a nice finish, is it? He's, 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 yeah. well, he's in close range. He, he spins on the ball after miscontrolling the, it. The spin is good and he's got it on target, which is great. Which is more I can say for the team that I watch. But if the keeper's where he should be, it doesn't go in. It doesn't, go, it doesn't even get close to going in. I think. If you look at him when he's diving back across the goal with his right hand and he gets a hand to it, to dive to your right and get a hand to it and it's still go into the middle of the goal, that's an awful positioning. Yeah, I've still got questions about Vicario anyway. I'm not sold on him at all, but he's made oh, some nice saves. Oh yeah, it's going to save. I've been... I thought Spurs getting a keeper I don't know much about. I thought could potentially have a disaster on my hands here. This could be fun. And so every time I've seen him this year, he's been better than that. So maybe yeah. I'm overrating him I don't know but don't get me wrong he's looked better than I thought I don't did. think he had a bad game and I think he has been pretty mm. good overall I just think for that particular instance I think he's at fault massively for that the Jota red um, the first booking from him is a nonsense it's just David Luiz got sent off for the same thing for us yeah. years before if you remember it it's the, I think the only game that Kaladzic ever played he's running through and his stud clips Luiz's knee and he yeah. was and it was at one of those times that we've had all with our clubs where anything that can go wrong will go wrong. It's gone on for you a bit longer than uh, <laughs> it did for us, but rough. Unfortunately, you surrender a lot of sympathy when you get a second booking in the way that he does. Yeah. And the, it's pedantic. I don't even know if there's a lot of contact in the second. No, one. no the, there isn't. They, I thought yeah. they made very little of that on Combs. I thought, has he made any real contact in the second one? Regardless, don't put your fucking leg out like that. It's, look, the first one, as you said, it's never a yellow. In partial sympathy to the ref, in real time, I can maybe see why you think player running across the back of the other one. It looks like a cynical foul on the break. Jotter is exactly the type of player who would commit a cynical foul on the break. Is you regretting that he's not given him one 30 seconds before? But I think that's probably it, yeah. And maybe maybe he did deserve one for that. I forget the incident. I remember thinking he's got away with one. So in that case... Normally, if someone gets like a yellow later on and someone says, well, that should be his second one, it should be off, I would counter that with, well, he wouldn't make that challenge if he's already on a yellow. Mm. In the case of Jota, <laughs> clearly he would make that challenge if he's on a yellow, so I can't say that. So, If you'd had this ref in the Newcastle game, it could have been hell for you. It could have been hell. <laughs> Trent's gone. They're just gone. <laughs> the Matip winner feels horrible to say. I thought they were doing quite a poor job of breaking you down up 
to that point. I, I I don't buy the whole, you know, it's hard to play against nine men. One, we rarely see that. Two, if you asked Ange, would you rather play against 11 or nine? I'm pretty sure I know which you'd rather. The second sending off just gave them all the license in the world to really not have to worry about any offensive threat from Liverpool. And he took really, off Salah and Diaz. So we had literally no one who could run in behind. I thought, well, I guess I had learned my lesson in the end. I'd started a tweet about Postacoglu's substitutions and I deleted it and it didn't matter anyway. I thought his substitutions, considering they were chasing the game against nine men, were horrible. Yeah, again, he's, I again, he's, take, he's taken off his match winners. And I Son, is he recovering? At some point, we had to ask, can Son do 90 minutes? Because he hooks him no matter what. Because they say like, it was like 70 minutes. Yeah. And then Madison, by that point, I know he had a knock in the uh, in the Arsenal game, but he'd left him on so long that you may as well leave him on for the duration. It's not like he has to do any defending in even, this game. Even the it's, ones though... When did he get subbed around? Like 86 or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Like, well, when, you're that point. when you're bringing on that uh, Valise, I understand you're buying into the storyline here and you're just hoping something happens. When you're bringing on Hoiberg... Yeah. In, in stoppage Bizarre. time that's when it just goes off of me you think if you've got a low block of a team of nine nine men Madison's exactly yeah. the guy you would assume is going to be well, that's why I thought he was poor because there's one thing your teammates not feeding you the ball but there's also some onus on you go and get the ball in this context absolutely because you've got the freedom to go and go and especially when you've given this chat I'm the main man here there and everywhere and he claimed he was misquoted in the roast dinner shout. Regardless, did you did you see the interview he did with Sky after that? Because it's painful. the The woman interviewing him clearly thinks she's getting like a bantery. She says, "You know, and Super Sunday uh, main man roast dinner," and he was, he looked like annoyed. He's like, "I'll be. I'm not sure I said that." What I was saying was, it's just my my personality, in my character, that I just I like to be like the centre of attention when I'm doing all these things. And she said, "So, what is your ideal roast then?" And he's like, "Oh no!" And he's like, "Um, my ideal Sunday." I don't know. Like, look, they got some good banter out of it, but again, not sure I said that. And she she keeps going. Oh god, painful. <laughs> but yeah, I thought I was disappointed. I wasn't disappointed in him because. I thought it would have been hilarious for them to not get three points when you had nine men. But, yeah, I, I expected more from him if you are going to be the creative force that you're supposed to be. That When the end of the game comes and they're saying they've not got Porro on the ball enough, that for me is a red flag for you as the central midfielder. Hmm. Porro, I understand the feed them wide, but Madison could be the guy feeding you wide. If, if they're not getting the ball to the wide men enough that's on you to kind of be doing that. It was a little bit, it was weirdly naive from Spurs and a lot of performances um, from individuals in there. And, I mean, Neville was really labouring the point. I mean, he was kind of a little bit gutted for them. It seems <laughs> that they weren't <laughs> able to play against nine men. He just kept going on about it. I didn't think they were quite as bad as he was making out. But people like, it wasn't a good day for Kuliszewski. And he just kept just coming inside and we knew what he was doing. And he has nine men, perfect for us, just keep coming inside. Mm. Neville was right about the wide men need to stick wide. But if you look at the personnel, they're obviously always going to cut in. But when you've got nine men like we do, they just stick uh, Doggy and Borrow and say to him, look, I know a lot of the time you're going to be inverting today. You are just sticking out there, stretching Liverpool as much as possible. And eventually our guys in the middle will pick them apart. 
it wouldn't have been too hard for them. They didn't have, again. They didn't have to do any defending. We had no players left to do running in behind at that point. But even like if if you left Richarlison on the pitch, get in there and make a nuisance of yourself. If they're going to put it in the box, you pro- you're probably not going to win the header against three men. At least shove someone around. At least put it on someone and do a bit of something. Could be bitter. You're probably going to get a trailer and they get a penalty in this case. <laughs> the chances are there's going to be a bouncing ball and you're going to nick a pen. So try your luck. So this is one of them. Postacoglu is going to be happy, obviously, coming out of the win. Do you think he's going to have as many questions as answers coming out of it? You're not going to be in that situation most times, no. but there was something. I, I thought it was poor and I wasn't sure if it was just bitterness at the time. That midfield they were playing against in the second half against us with the guys they had left on the field, they should have gone on to try and win that game. And again, the substitutions, it's either you don't trust them. I don't know if because they've been unbeaten now for, what, seven games, there was a thing of, you know, draw against Liverpool is not that bad. Well, even just, it sounds good. Keep the unbeaten run going. We'll go on, we'll go on to the next one and so on. It's just... I, look, I said on the, that pod that I thought they should have shown more conviction and gone on against you. And they should have shown a little bit more against us. But he'll counter that by going, yeah, there's some questions about it, but Your four points. those questions yeah, those questions would have existed if we dropped points or not. So it's better to learn those lessons in a win mm-hmm. than in a, a loss or a draw, right? So it's kind of ended up being the perfect probably scenario for Spurs where they can say, we've still got a bit to learn here, but we ended up getting the three points, even if Joel had to put one in the back of his own net for him. How- which apparently I'm supposed to feel really fucking terrible for him for. <laughs> I'd, I don't know. I have some sort of technique where you can kick a ball like a professional footballer. I was- Maybe it doesn't go in the back of your own net. I was going to ask you, can, can we fast forward to this? Because I know... Can you talk us through your reaction when the goal goes in? Is it muted? Is it enraged? Are you doing the like Jose Klopp laugh? Yeah, yeah, I ended up, I did end up doing that actually. Yeah, uh, I'm not proud to say, it, but it was just I wrote in the chat and I said it's it's probably the only way this game could have ended because it was literally everything. What other than a penalty against you? You've got a red card, two red cards, an own goal. A disallowed goal, which is the most ridiculous one we've probably seen in a long list of questionable VAR shouts. Uh, yeah, and laughing like a maniac and then sort of collapsing like uh, Kevin Keegan behind the hoardings. <laughs> was kind of my demeanour, I guess. What were you going to say, Jared? I was, I was just going to say that what we were talking about earlier about width with the team, it's just hilarious that they pass it wide to Kulachevsky. And he then just passes it back into the centre again. <laughs> I mean, and you can see there's acres of space to the right, which they're just not running into. You could hear the crowd going up, all the big yeah. furious about that as well. And they pass it back out wide, and he, one of the only times that they took it down the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much the only time I can remember in the second half of the last 15 minutes, spoons in off Joel Matic. I, I know, I'm, so I'm like, semi-joking about the Matic thing as well, because like all of them, he's putting a massive effort, and that's got to be a sickener to do it. But yeah, to your point, just smacking a ball across the face of the box. Defender's going to have to go for it. Could end up going in. And if they'd done that, you know, from 70 onwards or whatever, who knows? They they could have got that goal at that point. It could have opened us up at that point because then we would have probably got a bit silly. Yeah, and it, it looked like Kuroshevsky just gave up. He rolled it back into, I can't remember who played the ball out wide, mm. but he rolled it back in and like almost shrugged his shoulders, body language, when he did it. And it was just like... Yeah, there's one where he ends up playing it back to like Romero. Yeah. And the fans are like, what are you doing giving it back to the centre half here? We're trying to, trying to play as nine men. You've got, got like an overlap here. How 
uneasy did it make you with how calm Klopp looked? Because it was odd. He's smiling and joking on a t- on a game when I can't think of any other Liverpool fan that was anything but like no, no, watching yeah. that time <laughs> like it's in slow motion. Yeah, well, if it was a different manager, I'd be like, you're taking this fucking seriously? <laughs> because it was the opposite problem when we had Rafa away. Like, you'd be really pumped and he just looked like calm <laughs> as well. He's like, can you get a bit excited, please? Because this is like, it's pretty fucking big. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he kind of thought it was a free swing because it kind Late of was, on, wasn't it? He was definitely thinking about how he was going to celebrate. And I would have done the same in his shoes. I think he said, we drew. You, you don't think he'd have celebrated that draw? Yeah, he would. Klopp, Klopp said in his interview sure. that he didn't even know how they would have celebrated that draw. Yeah, yeah. I don't so know. I, oh, okay. I had, yeah, I hadn't thought he was considering how he's going to celebrate. He didn't really look like in celebratory mood. He was <laughs> looked like he was chilling. I think the second that whistle went, oh, he would have been doing the fist bumps. I think you might have seen what? a knee slide. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have written that. There would have been a lot of. Um, Warriors. Badge patting and stuff yeah. like that. To be fair, it was that sort of performance where it was like, yeah, there's. if I knew nothing about this team, I'd say that's got a lot of heart and fight about it, which if you look at last year, even amongst all our other problems, I don't think this team tended to show much fight. No. They tended to roll over. I know it sounds like the easy attack. I thought Trent did make you worse. And I usually try to defend that man. That The attack eventually at the end, unless I'm remembering it wrong, he charges out for no reason. So, yeah, I mean, a fair bit happens after it. So it's not... Endo, if you're in there for one thing, kick someone. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess more can say he doesn't get near him. But the, yeah, there's one where Trent looks to step out, then realises he's not going to get it. So the ball gets played past him as so he's having to chase back. Um, but yeah, then then a lot of passes are played after that between that and then, and then the goal. And same with... Whilst I tend to agree with your point foul someone I don't think there was an opportunity within that but by the time the they get the ball on the edge of the box when the ball bounces on the edge do? of the box I think Endo can take someone out because he lets the ball bounce I'd have to go back and check yeah but the I just remember thinking they're on the edge of the box I don't know who yeah I don't know who we're sort of fouling at that point four red cards in seven games now for Liverpool shows we won it this season <laughs> that's all fair fight <laughs> the question is what now? Um, Liverpool released a statement last night. They say Liverpool Football Club acknowledges PGMOL's admission of their failures last night. It is clear that the correct application of the laws of the game did not occur, resulting in sporting integrity being undermined. We fully accept the pressures that match officials work under, but these pressures are supposed to be alleviated, not exacerbated by the existence and implementation of VAR. It is therefore unsatisfactory that sufficient time was not awarded, afforded to allow the correct decision to be made and there was no subsequent intervention. That such failings have already been categorised as significant human error is also unacceptable. Any and all outcomes should be established only by the review and with full transparency. This is vital for the reliability of future decision making as it applies to all clubs with learnings being used to make improvements to processes in order to ensure this kind of situation cannot occur again. In the meantime, we will explore the range of options available, given the clear need for escalation and resolution. They came out harder here than we did when it happened to us in the middle of a title race, so I applaud that. Realistically, what are they possibly hoping for? Yeah, they're not going to get anything, are they? Um, 
I don't think it's people kind of made out that that statement was overly controversial. I think the club is probably always going to say something. Dangerous language. Dangerous yeah. phrases, <laughs> says Gary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought the club's raised a good point. Essentially, that a lot of people have said is like, you can't just keep saying sorry. Like, you just you can't just keep fucking it up and then saying sorry. There's got to be something. But what that is, I don't think anyone has an answer. So you are just going to keep getting sorry we fucked up. Uh, do you reckon this could be aided in the push for the kind of FIFA way of doing offsides of the so radar? That wouldn't have changed anything because they 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 got the offside decision right. They just didn't yeah. communicate it right. Yeah, but what it come up on the screen is onside, and then that. So I mean, yeah, this whole thing is mitigated if the bloke literally says. Yeah. If the line oh, is, so as much so, as that is right, yeah. that that wouldn't have changed anything in this in this circumstance because all that would have happened is they'd have had a thing on their screen in the VAR hub saying he was onside, and they still would have said decision confirmed. Right. That was the issue. The issue was literally the phrasing and confirming the decision. When you confirm that decision, surely you can just say as they do in rugby, they're very specific. Yeah. The language they hang use, on, go, hang on. yeah, this is yeah. to clarify, this try is. or no try, whatever. This yeah. is be. To clarify, this is this is a goal. This is a legitimate goal. Not it- stick with the decision because then that ruins, takes out any chance that you could have misunderstood yeah. what was given on the. Well, pitch. they are just the fun, the fun, idiots. Yeah, the fun, the funny thing with all this as well is that I don't know what the vendetta was against this, but everyone in comms hated the fact that liners were putting their flags up late or letting their play go continue. Go, someone's going to get really injured soon. That always used to be the line, whereas. This is exactly the point of why you do that. Because yeah, you let it, it carry if, on. If the liner hadn't put his flag up, then that would have been given as a goal. And that was well, where... The issue, it, probably, you would have flagged it earlier and we wouldn't have got there. As you were... Because he flagged it after. No, he, I think he puts it up as the ball's played. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm fairly he's, certain. He's, but then the whole thing with it is don't put your flag up if it's close. Yeah. Leave them to figure it out. Yeah. So... If you're the, the paranoid sort of fan, you're going to go, so the liners whacked his flag up as quick as he could. The rest moved on from this as quick as he could. VAR check's done very quickly. You do feel like you're getting jobs. You're like, hang on, how quickly has this happened? They've taken a free kick nice and quick knowing they can't go back to it. Now, again, this is clear incompetence rather than any sort of agenda. The thing I liked in Liverpool... But it's how it's like so... Like, I don't really know how you can be so transparently... But, bad or something (laughs) that was what uh, in Liverpool's statement where they say we fully appreciate the pressures that match officials work under there seems to be a thing that you can't appreciate it's a hard job and that they're all fucking idiots when it's the boat it's a hard job you are also stupid as hell yeah (laughs) if you can't clarify if you for whatever reason weren't paying attention to what the decision was given on the field which is one a bad start if you then can't use language that is very clear with what the decision should be. That's two. It's not great. Three, if when it becomes clear, whoa, 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 looks like they're not going to give a goal here. Because you said two seconds out. I saw a thing that said it's 30 seconds between the check and so then taking what the kick. Shearer said. 30 seconds is a decent amount of time in which you can figure it out. Mm. And so that's the third one. And fourth, the worst case scenario, you can break the protocol to go, hang on a minute. Mm. I know we're not supposed to do something after a kick's been taken, but this is the most clear and obvious. If Even if, by the way, this was an offside where they drew the lines and he was narrowly onside. You know, we've been kind of either way on them, like an armpit has been offside or, or on. You could maybe go, okay, but this is one where we didn't even need lines, where we should read like, oh, this guy's quite clearly onside. So at that point, I, I don't know 
there's mistakes and then there's mistakes, isn't there? So what I read out earlier was um, from Dale Johnson yeah. or Johnston. He has been accused previously of being very cosy with the people at VAR, hence why he gets all the information that he does. But he doesn't anymore. And so what I've read out is his own wording on it. Mm. Whereas Shearer saying on Match of the Day, what, as you said, 33 seconds mm. between, I think immediately when you see them not going to the kickoff is where you should maybe go. Or are they not watching a broadcast? Because as soon as they don't see the celebrations, then they say yeah, yeah. a goal's not being awarded. Liverpool were just very chilled out. They were very focused. They weren't going to celebrate at all. And then it fuels the uh, the feeling that most of us have that they're not interested necessarily getting always the right decision, but in making sure it's covered up if they get something wrong. So they, they had a chance there to go, we got this one wrong, we'll get it right. And instead, they tried to just bung it away with oh, mistake happened, trying to, hopefully no one comes back to this. And I think they got done over by the fact that Another broadcaster clearly led with that line that Richard Keyes said that I assume that was on being that he did yeah. that. If that hadn't happened, I think we'd have had obviously pictures on Twitter, whatever saying this is on side. I think we'd have had a situation where they said, No, 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 trust us, we've got angles that you're not privy to and this would have been and they would have said this is offside. They wouldn't have owned up to the mistake if it wasn't so black and white, I don't think. Well, the- and then that leads you to other decisions that they've made where they've said no, no, trust us, we've got angles that you don't. Well, you go, well, maybe maybe you're lying to us then. With the Arsenal one, they sacked Lee Mason the next day. Then there was a whole thing where it was like, oh, was that what you wanted? You wanted to get make a man lose his job? Yes, was, <laughs> was my stance. And then what they did, they snuck him in the back door. He now teaches people how to officiate VAR. Yeah, what? And so that that's all that's going to happen here. And that was, again, then say... He, he forgot what he was doing. When you add in the complication now that this guy was uh, officiating in United Arab Emirates 48 hours before, and then Michael Oliver was doing the same and he doesn't give the penalty on Wissa yesterday in the Brentford game. Mm-hmm. It's just a horrible, horrible, horrible look. Nothing is going to happen. I have also raised an eyebrow at United and Spurs and other fans' bases basically going... What do you want them to do? They said they fucked up. Move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, this is part of the reason why things won't change in football is that ultimately, unless it happens to our own team, we don't care that much. And by the way, if it happens to someone you don't like, quite funny. And so, but this, you knew this was bad in that I saw people from all clubs going, this is like a joke and has taken away some of my enjoyment of this game, which is pretty strong. And normally pretty much anything goes against Liverpool or United or whatever. You're going to have a, decent selection of people going haha this is hilarious almost uniform I saw people going yeah this is a scandal the, the thing is as well is I don't know where we go from here because the alternative I mean Vazir would stay obviously but we had a game Chelsea Bright- Brighton in the Carabao in midweek without VAR and Jackson's goal that he scored was offside didn't flag it the second goal that he scores he's about a yard onside and they flag it as offside and then they play Brozier through clean on the keeper. Ball was played when he was about four yards in his own half. And they flagged it for offside. And he was in his own half. They did that in an Arsenal game last year as well, where they flagged for an offside. And they um, flagged us offside from a throw-in at a game I was at yes. last year as well. And, and, and the, the referee had to tell the, the linesman. Yeah, and this is my point. Like, What the hell is the option? Because VAR is now advanced to the point where it's 
been here for a few years. It's obviously made the officials worse. It's yeah. not helping them get any better because they, though they've got to get out of jail free cards, they're just there for the paycheck. They're just there for fun now, essentially. Well, Unless you you're the actual ref. You don't really play a part in it. If you're a line, no. if you're a liner, you're there to spot if someone whacks someone, but even VAR does that for you now. What is the point in a linesman no. now? Nothing. And what you said earlier, they were offered the uh, semi-automated technology and they said they would rather have more cameras and do it themselves. So yeah. just, it's being arrogant is dangerous. Being stupid is dangerous. Being stupid and arrogant <laughs> is a fucking lethal cocktail. Yeah. Uh, you are right to say the, the thing of, we have this weird thing where like, you can't question officials. Where it's, we have this like, respect the officials thing, which... I get there probably is a culture in football where you go, we do need to sort of look at how we look at referees. But it also starts with, you get your job right first and then that helps people respect you. Yeah. In any like job, you kind of got to be good at your job for people to respect your authority. If it's not, you're going to struggle with that. It can't be, we're just going to make blunder after blunder, but you show us some fucking respect. Yeah. It's never going to... And it and- undermines the confidence they have in officials now because every time there's going to be a call... If, yeah. like, that, all it's I mean, imagine be- our next game. Yeah. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. Mike for whoever's Dean, officiating it. Mike Dean had already brought the controversy on them a couple he'd of weeks ago. Because yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I look back at wherever I felt that I've been wronged. The, probably the worst one was the Carabao Cup final against you a couple of years ago, where Lukaku was off, but they drew the line from his elbow, which you can't score with. The rest of him's onside. And you just sat there thinking, wow, it's tight. It is what it is. You move on. This is so far past that, and it, it's not even a team that I support. But <laughs> yeah, as we really, see, you quite had to be disliked from it a lot yeah, of the time. Exactly, and I'm, yeah. I'm sat thinking if this happened to my team, I don't think I'd have a team. And as we've seen this week, I've seen Chelsea fans saying, "Well, I didn't see you kicking off when it happened against us in the Carabao Cup final." And Liverpool's appealed to other teams now. I imagine if you're in an Arsenal boardroom or a Brighton boardroom, because it happened to them last season as well, you're going to go. Well, I didn't see you kicking off what happened to us. So why would we get on board with you now? We'd rather Arsenal may say we consider Liverpool to be a greater threat than Spurs. We'd rather for us, we'd yeah. rather yeah. them have the yeah. points and do it that way. I think you've got to look at it and think, right, hopefully the people that make the mistakes just get sacked and then nothing to do with the game anymore. But then they'll take it they'll but take it out on Liverpool or whoever for doing it. Like mm. I bet if you looked at the decisions after the thing with the linesman with Liverpool them not so long back, that would have been the thing. I was terrified Arsenal in the weeks after. It was like, okay, you got the man sacked. I'm sure their mates, his mates are going to really love that when they yeah, have the opportunity to sacked every week's time. They're not going to be too pleased with us. But, right. Yeah, I mean, this this is beyond like, mistake is like, just putting it too like, kindly. Like, I don't know, I, it is a difficult job. I'll tell you what's a difficult job, like a surgeon. But if you went in, into like a hospital like expecting knee surgery... And you came round and they were like, look, we're going to have to go back in and do another job because we didn't get it all done. You go, oh, well, that's a bit annoying, but all right. If you came out and it turned out they'd done open heart surgery instead by mistake, you'd go, well, there's mistakes and then there's mistakes, lads. You know, Hang on a minute. I came in with an ACL. I'm leaving with a pacemaker. What's, what? This doesn't make any sense. And there we go, right, human error, human error. And by the way, if you mention how pissed off you are, you're actually the bad guy. So yeah. you just wheel on out of it. This lot would do the other knee and they go, we did the knee surgery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you moaning yeah. Oh, you've never made a mistake at work? Oh, Jesus. We followed the protocol. I think, look, none of us are perfect. I've, you know, I'm sure you've illegally watched a game of football once, so you're basically just as bad. Yeah. Okay. Last question here. Um, Klopp 
I saw people saying people going to stick around for his interview like a Marvel post credit scene. <laughs> it came so, on, and he wasn't very animated. No, that is he. And I, I got what the interviewer was saying at the end when he said, "I'm quite surprised that you're not more up in the air about this." And Klopp took that as him saying, I'm "Quite disappointed here that you ain't giving me a bit more." And he was like, "No, no, no, no." And Klopp was right saying. If I do that, they're just going to say animated manager, which I thought was perfect, the description that yeah. he used. Does it help or harm his case that he doesn't kick up the fuss there? Because he seemed a little unsure that it would even confirmed at that stage. I thought he dealt with it perfectly. Because like you said, if he comes out and says what he wants to say, everyone's just going to go heated animated manager, who, by the way, has kind of kicked off about things that you go... Was that worth kicking off about, Jürgen? I'm not sure about that. This obviously absolutely is worth kicking off about. And I guess that's the danger of being the boy that cried wolf, isn't it? If they uh, did that to Wenger, Jesus. Yeah, like Josie would have turned the place down, wouldn't they? You know, it's, and on a different day, I think Klopp probably would have. Against a different team, he might have. <clears throat> I think if you don't have nine men, I think if you have 11 men, he does. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Because he's already in that kind of this is one of those days if, yeah, yeah, it's all gone wrong. Yeah. If we can get something great, if not. How yeah. happy is Jota that nobody's talking about his idiocy? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I bet Klopp's had a word because that's the one. He seemed very proud of his team, but he didn't even look at Jota when he went off. Which yeah, he gave off. Jones like a high five, didn't he? And just wouldn't even, he was made sure he was sat down doing something else. Yeah, I'll be looking at something else whilst yeah. this is going on. All right, let's move on. So the other real talking point of the weekend, Kai Havertz got his first Arsenal goal. 4-0 away to Bournemouth. He made nine appearances for Arsenal so far without registering a goal or an assist. A run of 21 games when you include his end at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> Now, his performances have been under a microscope, partly because of the price tag, partly because of the team he came from, and partly because of the high standards set by Granit Xhaka, which is something that is crazy to say, given the history that he had. 2-0 up on Saturday, Martin Odegaard's already put away a penalty. There's a conversation going on between him and Saka after he rewarded a second one. By the way, the refereeing in that game was atrocious as well, and we got two penalties out of it. Um <laughs> The penalties were penalties. The poor refereeing was outside of that, just so people don't think I'm uh, laughing that we got a dodgy decision. I'm sure they all went against you, I'm sure. After a conversation, you see Havertz walking away with the ball in his hand. I feel Kai was nervier than he was. You said he's a good penalty taker. He is. Jack will he is. surely back that up. Um, Won us the Club World Cup. He tucks it away. He looked like he'd forgotten how to celebrate. This is how tough times out. have been for the man. It wasn't one where we've seen Richarlison where he had a scrapbook of celebrations to get through. There yeah, was no yeah, even... Just com- for the goal to be disallowed. Yeah, there was no even conviction in it. He kind of did this. He like half jumped and like half kind of limp fisted his celebration. That's his general demeanor, isn't yeah. it? Limp. Yeah, so <laughs> the crowd then continues to sing waka waka, ending in 60 million down the drain. Kai Havertz scores again. Let's hope he scores one in quick succession yeah. so we can emphasize the again bit. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be tricky. I've, first, I've seen videos of your away and singing that. They were singing it. it we it, were at that first game of the season. It's, it's, yeah. the, it's the dancing. That it, well, all, this one. All, yeah, all in club shirts. <laughs> looks like a under-18s party at Butlins. Like, all, all in replica the guy, shirts. The guy in the front singing. row is the guy who I said 
was sat next to me at the Community with Shield. With Yes. Shinpad man. Who seems is a real piece of work when I found his Instagram. He's he's the guy who... Um, dressing gown man. He's the guy, there was the clips of him going, hoi yeah, in people's ears in supermarkets, moaning in their ears. That's oh him. God, him. That's him. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so there you go. Small world. You create a monster. No, he was already that guy. No, no. <laughs> you did this. 90 minutes with Byron. Yeah. Set him on a path. 45, he left after 45. I don't know where he went after that. <laughs> That's what happens when like an alien lands on Earth and his football education is entirely for spending a house up with Byron. I find it mad. Like Bournemouth away is notoriously difficult to get tickets for. I text my uncle when I saw him and said, how the hell has he got a ticket? He <laughs> yeah. said to me he was a new fan at the Community Shield. That's, so. that's what I mean. Like, Bournemouth away, 1,500 tickets down he's by the probably, seaside. Everyone loves Bournemouth away. He's probably you got a lot of cash. Yeah, because Bournemouth away, it had been sung already, but that was where the Saliba chant started properly last year as well. It's just a fun day out, it seems. Yeah. First question to you, TK. Do you think this kind of thing actually helps? Like, if I can put myself in his shoes, it would feel almost more condescending and it may actually put more pressure on me internally to give me a charity goal like this. Yeah, they, they made the girl go and kiss him. He was like, oh, <laughs> God, this is bleak. <laughs> yeah. I, that's probably why he doesn't celebrate it, right? Because he knows exactly what it is. Yeah. A pity penalty against Bournemouth is not how you would want to start off your career in an Arsenal shirt you scoring not miss career. That. I was going to say, yeah. the other thing is, though, you say, can it help him? I'll tell you what could hurt him if he misses the yeah. thing. So every, every little helps. The got to say fair play Declan Rice what a teammate I saw his interview afterwards where he go we're all so happy for him works hard etc etc all that usual stuff and he said and he scored today in a high pressure moment so, 2 nil up away boom high pressure if you can't deal with that we've got bigger problems than I thought <laughs> I told you he passed a Philip Billing test and I warned you about that last week <laughs> Bournemouth away is not an easy game no. Jack, Jack. Oh, there are bogey teams many 4-0 they, losses they beat Liverpool there reason. last year as well I say the hardest thing about that Bournemouth Chelsea game was us watching <laughs> that was tough so a larger question could maybe be although he's obviously expected to contribute should his goal scoring numbers really be under the microscope when he is clearly playing deeper in midfield? This isn't a guy who is playing striker. Yes, because we're seeing it in a Chelsea shirt. As soon as your forwards stop providing you guys, and I'm not suggesting Saka's going to be He's that. not playing a forward, as I'm not, forward. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is from goal threats in your team, Liverpool, you've got players that can score from any position. City, the same. And you go down the teams that are really good and when they can when their strikers can have bad patches and they're dug out by their teammates. We're case in point where if our striker's not scoring, we're not scoring. If you're, if Saka goes on a bad run and he hasn't shown that he will do, if he goes out injured or if anyone else can't fill his boots or whatever, um, with, with all these knocks that he's taken, you're going to want people like Kai Havertz because he's going to end up at some point playing further forward because that's where they like to use him because like, oh, he can play up top. I think his best performance for us so far was as a nine until the PSV game, he looked very good there. But yeah, that's my point. He, he is the guy that if you're spending 60 million on, you need goals from because you can't afford to have someone in a forward position to not, it's like Udegaard where he pops up with a few goals. Like, yeah. you need Most them. ever non-penalty goals in a season from a midfielder. Don't forget that with Odegaard last season. Just wanted to flex that, did you? Is that right? Yep. Blimey. 15 goals last season. Wow. Fair play. But that's my point. Wow. Exactly that. Lampard was stat padding. Yeah. yeah. And, I'm a, and I'm a Lampard guy. The, uh, yeah, because on the one hand, you've brought him in instead of Xhaka. Presumably part of that is he's going to offer a little bit more quality going forward. But also that you're kind of, the way you've structured that was almost like 
while he's playing great, there's, there's no there's not been any goals where he hasn't really been playing that good and he hasn't been scoring. No, no. Like if he was balling out in midfield but no goals, you'd go, well, look, I don't care. He's doing his job, but he hasn't. It's kind of like... Well, no, my thing is, should we be saying, now Havertz has gone seven games without a goal here? Yeah. Yeah, if he, if he plays really well in that, personally, I can go, that's fair. Now, a lot of people are going to go, how long has he gone between goals? Because in their mind, it's still the Chelsea striker who couldn't score. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you do. You could start playing him like Joe Linton and people end up still talking about his goals record. He's six foot if, four. If you, if, you, if you look at... <laughs> is that right? <laughs> Kovacic is probably the one that's warped most people's minds because no one expected goals. He, ba- he barely scores. He scored a scream against Liverpool and that's it. Apart from that, I think he scored like maximum two a season. He'll score but, but, Sunday. But because... He does his job well and he looks silky and he's good at carrying the ball and moving play forward. You can't just go, right, that's fair enough. But Havertz isn't that guy. He is there for the last pass or coming into the box and finishing. He's got himself into enough chances, enough positions to score in this Arsenal team to say, right, it doesn't matter if we're not expecting goals from you. We expect someone in that position without a chance to score. I didn't think he'd ever score after that miss against United where he manages to slice it. I didn't even know if that was possible. Ironically, everything that we were told was going to be a drawback for him as playing in midfield has actually been the strongest part of his game. When comparing, he can't do what Xhaka does. He's done the things that people said he couldn't do that Xhaka did. It's the actually putting it in the back of the net or being the final pass that's um, that's been the issue. I, I don't know. I think there seemed to be a bit of a turning point with Arsenal fans in the Spurs game where people were kind of like, we're going to put on a brave face. Behind closed doors, we'll moan about him, but we're not going to do it in this uh, open sphere. It's been hilarious watching uh, the. You've you've gone through exactly what we've gone through with every single signing. It's, it's hilarious <laughs> watching year. though. Arsenal, United, and Chelsea fans have all had to do this so far this year with different facets. So yeah. you with Havertz, Chelsea with, with every even every signing, but Poch especially as well, yeah. and United with Ten Hag, where it's kind of like. Mason Mount. In there, we're going to back him. But <laughs> fuck, I'm not sure it's working, is it? <laughs> United fans seem to give up Mason Mount after like two games. So Havertz had a bit more time than mm. that. PSV, he looked really good in doing what this kind of connecting play. I think the biggest issue Havertz has in Arsenal fans' minds, one, Ertzel had this same issue, but his end product was there. He can play the most simple pass, and you'll know this. It just looks so tired in everything that he does. So even when he is putting in, I bet if we looked at the running numbers, I bet he runs more, maybe not the Erdegaard. I bet he runs as much as Erdegaard and Rice in that midfield, but it doesn't look like it. It's, it's because he's so lanky. I've I've thought this previously as well. It's going to sound stupid to kind of go down to this granular detail, but say like a Vieira, who's quite small, slim, He'll play a pass and it looks sharp because he's small. It looks like everything's moving quickly. Habits will play the same pass, but because he's so lanky, his arms move around it's more, his legs move. He just looks lumbering. And it's probably the same pass, same speed, same effort after and before to get to get away and move. It just looks awkward. He well, looks like he's sticking. Clearly, it had become an issue. Arteta spoke afterwards about he wasn't just happy with the win, he was happy with the humanity in his team. And that was the thing that really pleased him. Because oh, if, the humanity. Because if anyone deserved a goal, it was Kai Havertz. And he said, I promise you, that is going to have made the difference. You're going to see a different player now. 
But he also said that I hate to tell you, he but- also said he looked fantastic already. So the thing that is the biggest drawback for me, and I imagine a lot of people with it, if we're led to believe he's competing with the Millsmith row for minutes, people are not going to pick Kai Havertz over that man. No. Smith Rowe, if he wasn't crying after the game, have you seen the clip? If he wasn't crying after the game Saturday, he was close. Yeah, what was that about? Though? He came on and there was kind of a nick and he had the ball six yards out just the keeper to beat and he went to place it in the keeper selfishly. They keep doing this, saved his shot. Fucking hell, bastard. And after the game, yeah, he just looked like he couldn't get past it. And he had another one tipped onto the bar because he looked in the Brentford game, it looked like he kind of flicked a switch and he was like, I'm not going out like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did that little like trademark of his where he kind of flicks it, you know, you do the pass of your one foot into the other to beat a man. And again, the keeper selfishly saved him bottom corner. He looks like he's just waiting for it to click. But I think I said pre-season, the way this team is set up now, I don't see an obvious place for him. When he has been playing, he's been playing centrally. He's not going to take Erdegaard's spot. No, no. Kai Havertz, unfortunately, you're competing with probably after Saka and maybe Erdegaard, everyone's favourite player at the club. So you've got to get past that. And you're only going to get past that if you make it undeniable for you to be in the team. Yeah, you have and to pull out kind of a little bit extra and not just be good because you've got, you know, like you said, one of their favourite sons there. Yeah, I, I Especially w- someone who's not really been given a chance. Like Smith Rowe's a very little chance compared no, to a lot of other players minutes, in this team. Yeah. He's saying he's not fit, but I don't know. It's kind of Mount Syndrome, isn't it? Where if we're led to believe what did happen, which is probably we've signed loads of wingers, the hierarchy saw him as a winger and they didn't want the club's favourite player to be competing with their £80 million flops. They thought, well, we need to sell him. We need to get, get, need to get him out of the building because <laughs> it'll create discourse and it's probably going to happen to ESR as well. Real opportunity missed from Havertz there. Though. If he's crying out to give about a missed chance for him to just go over, but trust me, son, don't worry. <laughs> Got 20 more games of this. <laughs> right, if we get another penalty again and Smith Rose on the field, they better be giving it to that man. That would have been a great um, all or nothing moment like when Eddie... Uh, dresses down La Conga. It's like, oh, you're upset. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel. Oh, I've been missing chances for fun. He was he was shit again on Saturday. Was he? Because I because when I saw the highlights, I thought there's at least an intensity about his game. There's an I intensity thought. about his game. It's when he has the ball is the issue, and maybe shit is. The highlights were good to him then because there were a couple of times where he carried the ball in a way that I was sort of. Maybe because he was so horrible in the North London issue, derby, I was giving him more credit. The biggest issue is, for as good as he is, you're playing Gabriel Jesus wide. And so you look on the bench and you had Trossard on the bench, you had Smithrow on the bench, you had Reese Nelson on the bench, and it's like, can someone not get in there? And the last thing on this, I spoke about Saka last week and how he'd proven, no, I can do the three games in a week now. You don't need to keep battering me. Again, he takes a kick in and we're 3-0 up at Bournemouth and he's still being left on the pitch until he gets whacked by someone and he limps off. Christ. So it's, yeah, you're, that you're man is, for is not playing past 25 because <laughs> the... Some miles on the clock. Yeah, the beating that he takes. All right, we'll go to Chelsea before we go to uh, United. Pochettino's first six league matches have yielded one win at home against relegation favourites Luton Town. Did get a win this week. Previous favourites. Defeats to West Ham, Forest, and Aston Villa. Chelsea going to kick off at Craven Cottage in about 10 minutes. So maybe anything that is said in the next couple of minutes is going to be uh, made redundant. But we'll ask the questions anyway. 
because being Fulham will eradicate all your problems. <laughs> That's the good news. Pot just spoken a lot about how mature he is now in comparison to some other jobs he's had. If we go with this uh, conversation we had earlier, is he too calm given the circumstances? I don't think these players have it in them to take a hairdryer. I, re- I don't. They're confident. <laughs> I think their confidence is hanging by a thread. And I think if I don't, what confidence, little confidence they do have is hanging by a thread. I think they've they've, they've got a Jose figure in there. I reckon some of them will cry. <laughs> I genuinely think sure. this bunch of players they would cry. He's had to what? He's had to discipline Madueke injured, and he's going out partying and allowing people to film him partying, which is just always a rough look. And then Jackson in his pre-game press conference when he's gone, he does need to sort his discipline out, and then he gets booked in the first what first half. I've, it is probably needs to find a balance, but we don't know what he's like behind the scenes. But this is it. We need to find a balance, but. He doesn't know what to get out of these players, and I don't think anyone knows enough about these players. It's like if you did your homework, if you were Jose going into Tottenham, it's like right, I need to get this out of Deli Ali, and then he goes and has that chat with him because mm-hmm. he knows he hasn't been playing well. Same with Kane, I know how to use him. I've used Drogba before, but number nines, Son, I know how to use him. Blah blah blah. You've got an idea of these characters when you've got a new eleven like three times out of the last two transfer win- uh, three transfer windows. You don't know how to approach these players and you're trying to learn what your best 11 is. I don't, I still don't think he knows it because he doesn't know his full squad. Yeah, because he forgot about that player. Yeah, and half the team's injured anyway. He looks like he's not seen the league table, like he's refusing to look at it. Yeah, but the thing is, if he managers always say we don't look at the table, maybe he literally is not looking (laughs) at it. If he starts doing that this early in the season, I think it's over before it even begins. He's got to have that, you know, that check that. You do like three, four nil down in the first half of a game because still nil nil, lads. He is the living embodiment of the Premier League still nil nil, lads. But that wasn't what he was. That wasn't what he made his name on, though, was it? I don't know if just PS PSG beat him down, but the whole thing was when he came in at Spurs that he he drove a hard line, and you know he was loved because of it. But he had you running the hard yards, and he had you doing this thing. You don't look like a Pochettino side at all. You don't even look like you're on the way to becoming a Pochettino we side. Any, we, don't look, we haven't got any identity. There's no identity. The problem we've got, and everything that we've seen, I mean... But that coming, has to be on the coming, manager at, yeah, at some point. So, we're, yeah, it does. We're, we're coming off a 1-0 win against Brighton in the Carabao, which looked a lot better Big until rivals. they lost 6-1 to us. Villa, <laughs> who beat us last weekend. So We've got them next. Yeah, actually. so... We got City on the back of them losing it, two in a row. It yeah. doesn't have the same gleam as I thought it would do. And you can say for a lot of Travis games this season, shit, we're unlucky not to win that. Like you've said it on the pod before, and you said last week. I said it about the Villa game. Yeah, yeah, I actually yeah. thought we, people were sort of over-prescribing that. Yeah. Instead of just thinking, I've watched some of these games, they didn't deserve to win. Yeah. The Villa one, I thought, yeah, you've created unbelievable chances, yeah. just couldn't take them. And it was the reverse of that against Brighton. Robert Sanchez did his best for his old team to win by passing the ball to <laughs> them multiple rough, times. Um, so it wasn't the win where we come away thinking, right, we're back on the track. And I was like, fucking hell, I don't know how we won that. So it, the identity problem is we've gone for six games now without looking like we've got any style of play. Usually you have build-ups. I think we saw it more in the Aston Villa game, which couldn't put away, where <coughs> you want to move around in front of the low block and then have wingers coming, running in and balls to find them over top. Did it with Cole Palmer, found Chilwell, Enzo Fernandez as his MO. That's how you unlock the best out of those players. But apart from that, we haven't looked like, right, we've got the ball, we're going to play through you. So Liverpool, 
or City, there's inevitability. I know City's probably a bad example to use because of how good they are, but Liverpool, you always think wherever they've got the ball, they're a threat and you mm. worry and you just can't settle. Chelsea, it's just um, copy and paste this from every game this season, most of last season. We have the ball and we've done what we've been doing with it. Mm. We don't even look like scoring half the time. So Villa, 10 minutes of added time was announced. Didn't even care. I knew. When that red card, I stopped watching when that red card got for Gusto because I was like, I know, I've Mm. seen this many times and it's the identity piece of when when the times get tough, we don't know how to get ourselves out of it and there's no one in that team that will pull us out of it. Get on a stretcher in that circumstance. (laughs) Chelsea say they have no regrets over committing to a transfer policy focusing on lowering the average age of the squad. Experience is obviously in short supply. You've got Thiago Silva and Raheem Sterling there, the oldest players in there and the most experienced. The Athletic claim that both of them have kind of just given up trying to pass that on to the younger players. They say Thiago Silva has no voice in that changing room. They say there's a difference between being vocal on the pitch and being vocal behind the scenes. Sterling's kind of focused on, you know, getting himself back on track and doing that, which he he did for a week. He looked like a world beater against... uh, Liverpool and then uh, and Luton, yeah. I don't know. You got a lot going on. Owners coming in the dressing room, only shaking hands and telling them good job. Apparently, which is probably worse. One of them. That's the first thing. Where was the good job? Yeah. <laughs> One of them running a is it egg barley running away from a kid after after a game. Go and get a selfie. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the thing is when you. When we did this a couple of years ago with Roman, where we had Tamori Mount, Abraham, all the young lads coming through from the academy, that idea of youth, you can kind of go, they're going to fight for each other because they've come up through the ranks. They're all living their dream together. They all love Chelsea, blah, 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 whatever. That works. When you put youth from all over the world, a lot of them can't speak the same languages. A lot of them aren't going to start. They don't know each other from a hole in the ground. How are you going to create that team work ethic? All within one window, maybe two, with some of these yeah. uh, out of push. They've really been thrown so together. No one cares. And a lot of the times, because they're all competing for spaces, they all want each other's heads anyway. Mm. Because the wingers, especially, if they have a shit game, they know, right, and we've got Mudrick <laughs> on the bench or got Madueki waiting in the wings to come on. Same with defence. When you've got all these players that haven't come out and don't have that team work ethic, the only players that's got a safe role in this team is Malo Gusto because James will not stay fit for more than two games. When we had it, Saka, Smith, Rowe, the the two that were kind of the poster guys for us, they knew they were going to be playing every single week. Yeah. And so they could build partnerships like that. It was established pretty much right through the team. Erdegaard in there, Young, was going to yeah. be playing every week. Yeah. And and that's it. Now it's a case of, if someone else looks shit than me, I'm probably going to get a game. So I don't really care if they have a shit game. And they're probably thinking, I'm still young. I'm not going to be here forever. Whereas before you had Chelsea lifers in there where you're winning stuff consistently and the, the, the lads coming through the youth team would just add to that winning mentality. Now it just seems to be a case of, right, I'm going to have a good few games and hopefully I'll get noticed. Mm. Like I can see Enzo Fernandez probably wants to go off. Unlucky Sonny signed an eight-year contract. Yeah. I don't hate to break it to you, but I saw a tweet saying Enzo Fernandez is apparently unhappy. I'm like, fucking good luck getting out of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They're going to want about 150 million for you, mate. Yeah. So, uh, so, so you stepped oh, up the oh, cash. Oh, yeah, we want Enzo Fernandez. Oh, yeah, he's got seven and a half years left on his contract. <laughs> we'll wait it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So We signed an extension after like a week, didn't I we? Yeah, yeah, I just... <laughs> the, 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 Do you the, want to the, walk? The, the thing is that the issue that we've got is that 
it has I don't put too much blame on Poch right now I still don't I thought I would as the next Tottenham manager I really thought I would it's all comes down from the top you sack the whole entire hierarchy get your guys in doesn't work you get rid of the everyone that made Chelsea a strong force beforehand either being in the transfer window getting good targets or just general culture throughout the club you get rid of all of those then you put yourself as director of football I get you want to learn on the job happy days you make some well, really see they're talking to directors of football now you've got like three of them I know that's why you got exactly that and then you've got you've created this you've gone with a vision of youth which I'm not going to say is wrong but you haven't you've just shown a completely lack of awareness of just how football works yeah it's also too much it's like yeah. getting the best young talent is never a bad policy but you've got to mix that you can't be entirely be- be- what the hell's he doing there <laughs> People. Simon Hooper, blimey! Points getting his ear early as well. <laughs> people should look at Newcastle. Forget about who owns them. The way they've implemented their incremental changes, <laughs> they'll be glad to hear you say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the way that they've implemented these incremental changes to grow the club stature. I mean, we need to stop looking at Brighton for <laughs> the majority of things. Just. Leave them the hell alone. The, the thing is, I'm just so at a loss now. Before it was right, the manager's fucking this up. Everything else is in place. Get a new boss in and we're going to go win the Champions League. <laughs> now it's a case of just shrug my shoulders. I don't know what the fuck we do to get ourselves out of this because we've spent money. We've changed managers. We've changed personnel. We've changed playing styles. We've changed tactics. The only thing that we haven't done is change the players. Well, no, they and want Austin awesome in July, in January. Huh? They want Aussie men in January yeah, or, or, or Tony. I don't understand the gall on, like, before it was, we're Chelsea, we're going to be back to the top next season, don't worry. Now it's consecutive bottom half finishes of looking down the barrel of, who the fuck's going to want to come to us? It's not even a case of one year out of Europe and we'll be back up at the top. It's no Champions League football, no Euro- Europa League football. Hey, you know what? Forget about Europe altogether. You might even get relegated if someone worse than Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United get promoted at some stage so why what is the draw right now I, I'm a Chelsea fan I don't think I would want to <laughs> and if the draw for you is to throw a load of money at them you're just going to exacerbate the problem you've already got where yeah. you've got a group of players there basically collecting a paycheck and some of them knowing they may not play the thing is with that as well is I don't even think we're doing that anymore I'm seeing rumours that a lot of these players that are coming in are on like 80k a year which to a lot of people is extortionate for our, by our standards Kepa was on 250. But even if you yeah. were to default and go, right, we're going to have to start throwing money at these guys because we haven't got European football or whatever. It's just, yeah, you're just going to have probably the, get a nice the same problem. Chunk up front as well. The, the last thing on uh, Chelsea, five goals in six Premier League games. I don't know if you want to walk Three back. Three against Luton, by the way. Yeah. Do you want to walk back any of those comments on Nicholas Jackson? All of them. <laughs> but I think... Heaven forbid I have some sort of faith in the signings that we sign. <laughs> what, I don't know why I haven't learnt my lesson on this one. The fact that we haven't signed anyone since Just, 2020 that's actually turned out to be any good, apart from Thiago Silva, who's 40. Sterling bench dear, who's... Oof. I feel like if there's I one guy to, uh, you no, maybe want to no, keep no, no, happy. Deserved, after the 2-on-1 against Villa, where... He had Jackson to his right-hand side. I can maybe see why you wouldn't pass in that circumstance, because he passed to him a couple of weeks back against Forest. Yeah, but if you're you're not going to pass, at least make the shot better than just a pass back. You're 10th in XG, so... uh, That's the real quiz. 
All right, let's... Uh, can we just challenge everyone to throw a kettle over a pub after every game? <laughs> yeah. just... What have you done? Yeah. Let's talk about the Manchester clubs and the, I think that will do us. Do you need to... I'm good. Right. I spoke recently, TK, about my measuring stick with match of the day placement and it was in full effect on Saturday night. Arsenal near last, routine win. Love to see that. The placement of both Everton and Man United games told you all you needed to know. It was considered more of a shock that Luton won at Everton than Crystal Palace winning at Old Trafford. Reggion and Lissandro joined the rest on the injury pile. Varane, I think, eased his way back in. Didn't manage the 90. 77% of the ball, 19 attempts on goal, four on target, four defeats in seven now. Oli lost his job with five in his first 12. Blimey. Spooky times. Halloween season coming early. (laughs) Now, they won 23 games last season, Man United. 13 of those, they won by a one-goal margin. Is this quite simply, as soon as Rashford is out of form or a couple of decisions don't go your way, whatever, all of a sudden the results that were wins previously can very quickly turn into losses. Yeah, if you're in narrow games and then your best goal threat in Marcus Rashford starts uh, going quiet, yeah, it probably is, isn't it? Um, it it's, a, it's a weird one to be in, isn't it? Because if you compare to, like, say, Chelsea, which we have all of the ball, a lot of XG that we don't score, but there's always that chance that it could come good. Now, we've been waiting three years for that to happen to it, and it hasn't, so you kind of lose a bit of faith. Whereas United, they play so... <laughs> that is perfect pod material. Chelsea getting guilt edge chance and blazing it over. That's, I can't that's... believe that's been caught. Broja's just gone around the keeper and wide hand over the butt. <laughs> just as Jack's talking about uh a chance fact, creation. Fuck it, I want to be Man United, I want to play shit football. <laughs> I don't even want to think of scoring because we Nick a goal. I thought you could have placed it there. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't do much for anyone that can't see the picture, oh, but I feel like the second you're one-on-one with a keeper, place yeah. that in. But yeah. hey, the man's rusty. He's been out for a little while. Rashford looks worse than bad. I don't know if you've seen the, the clips. The United fans have made, to be fair, of him in main character for the weekend. He stood in the tunnel waiting for Casemiro to go out of the tunnel first so he can be the last man to leave. Oh, <laughs> he's walking around God. doing the look around like you're in a um, like comp or something. It's so good. And yeah, the man doesn't square it across goal. He's, I saw him referring to um, Hoyland saying he's a young boy and, you know, Is that right? yeah, when, uh, when me and the kids, when we, uh, you know, we get to go in together and stuff like that, young lad, is if he's sunning him? Yeah. He may well be, but... Hoyland strikes me as the type that wouldn't take that well either. No, and he's getting the early early Jackson treatment where, you know, he's a handful, but they bought a guy that wasn't prolific in Italy and said he was somehow just going to adapt and it was going to be prolific in this league. This, this is what the weird thing is, right? Because no one never heard of him. Mm. They paid a lot of money for someone that no one's ever heard of. No one was ever well, going... just from the qualifiers, yeah. qualifiers, really, was he banged that hat trick and people kind of stood up and paid a bit know, of attention. You look at it and you think, no one was calling out for this guy. No, And to pay that amount of money, 
Jackson, on the other hand, like 30 million, you can take a punt on these days. That's a puntable total. This, you think, this will get really bad really quickly. Well, they were calling out for Kane. <laughs> this, I remember saying in the summer that I knew they would be in league with Hoyland and I thought it was going to be like a 30, maybe 40 a push fee because that's what I thought. Yeah, there's like a bit of a punt, but on the expensive end of punt sort of range. And yeah, being 70 million. I looking at him thinking, he looks like there's a player there, but also you can end up in a situation where you're like 10 games deep, he hasn't scored. And then we're going to, like you said, you're going to be having this conversation. You can't really just say he looks a player, but you actually need some goals at some point. Well, the start of the summer when you get the rumours that everything's going to be okay and this is going to be so good. And I remember Connor messaging me saying, look, the plan is we get Kane in and Hoyland learns his trade <laughs> under him and because we, we need two new strikers. Martial goes out the door, very quickly realised that wasn't going to be happening. Kane, by the way, adapting and just referring to Man United as um, Manchester, by the way, was weird. I hope he affected an accent as well. Steve McLaren style. <laughs> yeah. Who was it? There was like there was an interview recently. I had a feeling we would be drawn to. Uh... <laughs> there was an interview recently with someone that played United. It must have been in the League Cup last year, and he said about going in and meeting Ten Hag for a drink after the game. And he said um, because of all the assistance, Steve McLaren was doing the accent when he went out back. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's on. I think it was on that um, oh. under the cosh and. There's a guy, yeah, lower league manager, and he's talking about Steve McLaren there. Saying, That's yeah, so he, good. he said, I'm getting all these tips from Ten Hag that I should really be paying attention to. And all I can think in my head is, he's doing the accent again. <laughs> uh, United were chasing an equaliser, and both Mount and Rashford were hooked. Saw that. I, I messaged went, I went Connor on. and said, I'm, oh, sh- surely there was an injury or something, really, for Rashford, because Mount's coming back in, but. I went on my uh, Sky Sports app and saw Mount 77 minutes. I was like... <laughs> 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 and I like it, it gives me another facet, another level to my just elation of the demise of United when I can put Mount in there. Well. I don't know if I want the answer for this. If, if you had to will on someone to do well, would it, would it be um, Mount or Havertz? Me? Yeah. God. I don't think he cares what I think. I'd probably be Mount. I, I forget. Obviously... What's that flame mount, isn't it? quote about the brightest flame leaves the coldest shadow or whatever it is? That's probably what that is. Fucking. Don't, don't know that. Yeah. Go, go. <laughs> I, look, I'm losing my head here. I'm watching Chelsea play fucking shit again. I'm sweating. I'm so angry at that miss. Thought, you can't take anything that I've just said literally. I don't know if I've ever willed on a new signing as much as I have, Kai Abbott. Yeah, it's probably because that's desperation. It's, it's probably yeah, because it you've, pure desperation. It's because you've had to, though, hasn't it? Because of the b- bombardment you're going to get from Chelsea fans. If he came from another league, I don't think you well, would. Chelsea fans very quickly um, them comp- them comparing pictures of Havertz and going, "So glad we have a striker now that doesn't do this." Nope, that's how you do. That's so jumping the gun from them as well. Yeah, I don't with their history of strikers. I don't understand what would possess them to do that have you not seen <laughs> it's what happens six goals in seven games for United now so they, they really are struggling City have injuries much like United don't whinge half as much but they choose to have the smallest squad in the league so Pep can complain about it now as he said he doesn't want the extra five players because he doesn't want a 25 man squad when everyone's fit is uh, his own words 
John Stones has not played a minute so far. De Bruyne played 23 minutes. Bernardo's been in and out. Grealish has missed games. Kovacic has just returned from injury. But with all of that out of the equation, this result was just nailed on after Pep's press conference, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a bad presser, isn't it? The whole That Korean guy. That Korean guy, I can't believe it. We did this thing anyway where they said, basically, you know, Pep, given the team you have, the form you're in, you're expected to win, aren't you? This should be another easy match, I think they said, something like that. And he kind of did his, you know, Wolves are actually the toughest team we're maybe ever going to face. They're so brilliant. And he gets caught up in that saying, they've got Neto and they've got... um, (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, they always seem to have a stinker against Wolves. Always Mm. seem to have a stinker. Like, they were, I come if it was last season or the season before with that handball incident that Wolves should have got result then they just they just don't like that goal kit I don't she, think anyone really I don't think anyone had any just, real she's got pep in her tears yeah. <laughs> it was oiled up she just got scared any ill will towards Bournemouth and then they sacked Gary O'Neill and everyone was like he's a nice man <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and now people are willing on Wolves to do well just because of him, every time they get a result, people say, gotta be happy for Gary O'Neill. Yeah. 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 <laughs> On the way here in the car, we've got to be happy for Gary yeah, O'Neill. Yeah. Legit. Does seem a good guy. Does seem a good guy. Wolves, though, it seems, defended very well. Craig Dawson <laughs> had one of those games, it looks like. And City just had one where, no matter what they did, the ball wasn't going to go in the back of the net. So, Yeah, it was an odd performance. Happens. From yeah, I mean, you say about, you know, size of the squad you look at that team he's put out and that's yeah like you'd expect them to cut them apart you've even still got you know Calvin Phillips and Grealish on the bench at that point I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure they'll take it out on us instead it's right. a huge game this week now it is you thought it would probably be a huge game because they were going to be unassailable and you were maybe struggling and now you've obviously got a win they've lost yeah. and it's suddenly uh, pressure's on in a different way now we might need an injury midweek so we have someone to lean on a little crutch to yeah, go. Yeah. Oh, Saka was out. We couldn't, we couldn't deal with anything. VAR wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last. It doesn't make you feel better, honestly. <laughs> last thing here. Brighton have scored more goals this season than anyone else in the league. Unfortunately for them, they've also conceded more than everyone else outside of the relegation zone. <sighs> they've not kept a clean sheet. They are 13 and 39 last season under Zerbi. So we're conceding, but we have to speak honestly. We lost Caicedo. We lost a very important characteristic. Doesn't seem to be helping Chelsea. <laughs> I one. mean, a couple of weeks ago, he said, no, we've already forgotten about Caicedo. Yep. It's all about the system. So they, they, I, again, I don't want to get into a feud with Brighton. That's not yeah. where we're at. Basically, they just couldn't match. Nobody's winning this divorce. No, exactly. They just couldn't match Villa's intensity. And I know they had Billy Gilmore, who we praised um, last week in there with um, Henselwood. Kamara, McGinn and Louise will run better midfields than that off the park. Hmm. And Ollie Watkins does just have these games too. I know you're not really an Ollie Watkins guy. Three goals and two assists here. Not bad work. Yeah, literally the week I took him out of my FPL team because I was getting <laughs> sick of him. And I, uh, and I subbed him. Got everything I deserved. He scored last week, didn't he, against Chelsea? He did because I had him on my bench. Yeah. I subbed yeah. him back in. I... No, that was it. Yeah, I took him out last week. So uh, two weeks in a row, he's oh, ended nice. up. Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> All right, Jack, we best to close this up here. But um, my favourite part of the whole thing 
post-game, McGinn was being interviewed. Not my favourite guy usually, as I've uh, said in not as nice terms as that. He was being quite open about seeing the manager's plans and kind of fearing that they could get smashed today. And I don't know the woman's name that was doing the presenting on BC Sport on Saturday. She said to him, you're nailed on to win the Conference League, aren't you, with uh, your manager's European credentials? And he went, that's enough from you, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Handed the mic back and (laughs) went on his way. I'll have me some John McGinn. I know you're a hater, but... I can get on board outside of the, the game. play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when he's yeah. on the pitch, yeah, proper rap. But when he was on it, there was the thing last season where uh, Call- uh, Callum Wilson had spoken about needing the fire department to put him out in his red hot form. And that was so he good. Said, I guess the fire brigade where didn't show or on strike. Or strike, yeah. so good. Yeah. Get him and Andy Robert together, be a great crack. You'd love that. People do just excuse Brighton though, don't they? It f- plays in with my theory about shouldn't be having spiky hair over the age of 15. Deserby <laughs> needs to cut that out. <laughs> start from that and then... Start from that, yeah. Like with Brendan with his chat lips. If he could get that sorted, he could be, he'd be absolutely fine. No excuse for either of them, <laughs> yeah. to be quite honest. But Yeah, but that's sort of the luxury of position they've got themselves in, is that we think they're punching above a little bit. So therefore, when they achieve, we give them praise. And when they how don't, you, we how, ignore it. How are you getting praise to being... 4-1 down and not saying yeah well, this ain't our day instead still pushing people forward and holding six no you can't be getting praised for that yeah it's kind of a an upgraded version of the Norwich thing isn't it where they come up and they well, they keep giving it a go it's like, they keep getting dicked <laughs> maybe give it a go a little bit less that, that spooky kind of once in ten performance from Brighton's now coming like once in five yeah that's never, it never and happens when, against us I and, can tell you that because they were great against us last year. That, so that's like a Leicester, that a Leicester trajectory, isn't it? Where brilliant, well, hang on a minute, why is this happening regularly now? And then it, there's a quite a. Started with Leicester as well. They used to be not quite to this extent, but they used to be the team that we will praise their signings. And then mm. that went downhill. Yeah. Maybe Brighton kept the same thing. Fingers ha- crossed. <laughs> last, last question to <laughs> a you. A burgeoning rivalry there. <laughs> How many tweets have you seen since Saturday that say, I would love Liverpool to lose out on the league by a point now. Because <laughs> I've seen plenty. Oh, okay. So you've probably seen a lot of them. Yeah, and do you know what the haunting thing was? That that occurred in my mind almost upon the final whistle going was that it would be very on brand for us to lose the league by a point based we, on this. We could have only lost the league by one point if uh, if we'd been uh, tell you what, not be, robbed by Brighton. Being funny, it would be goal difference. One goal difference. I saw, I saw Do someone, not roll that out. I saw someone reply saying, no, my dream way for Liverpool to lose the league is a goal to be scored with a handball, but that person to not be the goal scorer so the goal can't be ruled out. <laughs> I go sick and he's help. Get his IP address. Report this man. Well, thank you for listening to another edition of Spitballing Pod. Movie Madness will be here this week. As I said, I was ill last week. Movie Madness 200, the ultimate side character draft. Tune in for that. Keenan will be back. TK will be back again. See you there. Adios.